0: This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, Get to Work. Andrew Ross Sorkin sits down with the U.S. Labor Secretary, Marty Walsh, and U.S. Commerce Secretary, Gina Raimondo. Hey there, how are you? Working together for jobs.
1: What's good for labor, which is more skills, better job, higher pay, is also good for business. And so it's natural that commerce would partner with labor because that, that will be better for both businesses and a stronger economy
0: and President Biden's infrastructure plan.
2: At the end of the day, the president is talking about build, uh, building back better, and that's about creating pathways into some middle class. We can't go back to the way it was pre-pandemic. We need to create better opportunities.
0: The questions help wanted, but where?
2: The last two months we've seen the largest gain in hospitality and restaurants. So I'm hopeful as we continue to move forward through the rest of the summer and fall, uh, we're going to see more people go back to work.
0: And maybe more importantly, will American workers be prepared?
1: What I'm quite sure we will see is just an even greater premium on digital skills, cloud computing skills, data skills, tech skills. We have an urgent need to make sure that everybody has access to those skills.
0: Can crisis build a new economy?
1: Too many Americans have been left out. Americans in rural communities, Americans without a college degree, Americans of color. And we ought to use this moment to make sure that they're included in whatever, you know, whatever this next stage of our economy looks like.
0: It's Monday, August 9th, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right after this. Welcome back to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Today on the pod, we're mapping out the future of America's workplace. But let's look back just slightly. Only to Friday. The Labor Department released the number of U.S. jobs created last month.
4: We learned that the economy created 943,000 new jobs in July. 943,000. The unemployment rate fell by a half a percent to
0: 5.4 percent. A good, a uh, heartening number, and maybe a confirmation of an American recovery, despite a labor shortage, despite the ongoing pandemic.
4: My message today is not one of celebration. It's one to remind us we got a lot of hard work left to be done, both to beat the Delta variant and to continue our advance of economic recovery.
0: President Biden's plan, according to the president, naturally, is working. And he says he's just getting started. As part of the administration's infrastructure proposal, Biden is looking to invest $100 billion in job training programs, which means a collaboration between the Commerce Department and the U.S. Labor Department for Workforce Development. Andrew Ross Sorkin sat down, virtually, of course, with Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo and Labor Secretary Marty Walsh. Andrew, say hello. Hi, Andrew.
4: Hey there, how are you? This is good. I can call you Mr. Secretary and I can call you Miss Secretary. Mr. you can't Mrs. screw up.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the two secretaries had just wrapped up a round table at Accenture in New York where they were discussing the firm's apprenticeship program. Accenture's four-year-old initiative brings local diverse community members into the talent pipeline for the private sector.
4: How are you guys doing?
0: We had a good day. Andrew from his remote studio kicked off that interview with questions about that pipeline and about the deceleration of jobs
4: in the private sector. You guys just had this meeting what was what was the big takeaway or or the big surprise for you as you were talking to all of these business leaders i'll start with you mr secretary and then we'll go to mrs secretary
2: well 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 first uh, what was the big takeaway was the four four young people that are apprentices uh their stories are amazing they were powerful uh they were talking about opportunities that they're working in companies that they never otherwise would have worked in Uh, And I was really impressed with the whole idea behind this program of getting companies here in New York City uh, to hire young people as apprentices and really create an opportunity for them to get, to, to see and experience work that they probably never would have had a chance to.
1: I agree. The other big takeaway is how bought in businesses are. So we sat with the leaders of businesses and they're saying they need more talent. They want more diverse talent pipeline. Not everybody um, has to go to college or get a four-year degree in order to do these jobs, and so they're finding it to be very effective, and they're telling us we want to do more apprenticeships, and they want support for the
4: apprenticeships. Mr. Secretary, um, I just have a question about uh, teaming up with, with, with the other secretary there. Uh, this is not the first time you've done this. You've, you used to do this in your previous life, and I'm curious, uh, is this a new, a, a, a new collaboration, if you will, in this new job?
1: I'm a believer in partnerships and collaboration. And President Biden is a strong believer that you don't have to choose between what's good for business and what's good for workers. You know, And the fact of the matter is, labor, what's good for labor, which is more skills, better job, higher pay, is also good for business. And so it's natural that commerce would partner with labor because that, that will be better for both businesses and a stronger economy.
2: It's not about picking aside uh, either commerce or labor. It's about collectively working together. And I think that you know, Secretary Mundo and myself have said from the very beginning that we want to work uh, closely together. We want to continue to send a message. The president uh, loves the idea of having us together. And, and I think it's important for us to, to go around the country as often as we can and talk about business. The, the, the two roundtables we're in so far today, uh, people commented about how great this is to have the Secretary of Commerce and the Secretary of Labor sitting at the same table talking about really the same mission. Uh,
4: one of those issues, I imagine, is, is job training. And, and I wanted to ask you, uh, Mr. Secretary, I'll start with you on this. Part of the infrastructure proposal includes $100 billion for workforce development and job training programs. What does that look like in practice?
2: I mean, I think what it looks like in practice is what we experience here in New York today. Uh, with companies hiring young people to be apprentices and working in industries such as whether it's construction or, or, or financial services or, or, or tech companies. It really is about creating other pathways and, and creating pathways t- to get people into these jobs. And when you think about our country, we're talking about a, a labor shortage in the future here of we're going to have more jobs than people to fill those jobs as we continue to come out of the pandemic. Uh, so what we want to do is make sure we're training people to get into the middle class. Uh, at the end of the day, the President is talking about build, uh, building back better, and that's about creating pathways into the middle class. We can't go back to the way it was pre-pandemic. We need to create better opportunities. We have too many families, too many people living in poverty in this country, and we need to do everything we can so people can, can be able to put food on the table and roof, a roof over their head.
4: Um, Ms. Secretary, I, I wish we could be talking about a post-COVID world, and I know a lot of people thought that come Labor Day we would be. Uh, you're in New York now, uh, where uh, the, the mayor has uh, determined that places like gyms and concert halls and other places, uh, a, a, ma- a vaccine mandate will be required. I'm curious how you think businesses should be navigating this, this issue of a vaccine mandate, whether the private sector should be pushing this.
1: Yeah. So the most effective thing we can do right now is for everyone to get vaccinated. This is, this is now a disease of the unvaccinated. And so if businesses want to mandate vaccines, then that's what they ought to do. Uh, we are not going to mandate that at the federal government level, but certainly if that's the prerogative of businesses and if that's the way they wanna go, then we would support that. 97% of people in the hospital today with COVID um, are unvaccinated. So these vaccines are incredibly effective and folks just need to get vaccinated.
4: Uh, Mr. M- Mr. Secretary, on, on the labor issue, uh, a number of business leaders that are considering the issue of vaccine mandates are concerned about two, two parts. One is a legal challenge, uh, either because employees would challenge the vaccine itself on a, on a legal basis, or would consider suing if they had a bad reaction to the vaccine. That's on one side. On the other is a real concern that employees either might leave and walk off the job or effectively you know, storm the gates. How do you think business leaders should think about those issues?
2: Well, I think business leaders are going to have to make their own decisions on how they proceed there. But I will say this. Uh, I'm encouraging people in this country to get vaccinated. Uh, I'm asking people who have decided not to get vaccinated to rethink their their position on it. Uh, We're seeing numbers of of the the Delta variant around the country raising, rising. Uh, We're seeing where we are today in New York City, bringing back uh, mandates in certain places and shutting things down a bit in some places. And we don't want to go back to six, eight months ago. We want to continue to move forward. So we're doing everything we can to encourage people to get vaccinated. I think companies are concerned about not having their employees come into work and, and quite honestly i think that we're seeing people right now in america not coming back to work because they're worried about their own health uh, they're worried about the lack of childcare. they're worried about w- taking care of loved ones so we, we really have to do uh, we have to be very stringent not stringent but we have to continue to be persistent on asking and encouraging people to get vaccinated
4: mrs secretary I and mean, one of the other r- issues related to the vaccine is what seems like there's a class divide taking place in, in the country. And and, and I'm, I'm curious how you think about that and how you think we resolve that.
1: I think we resolve that by uh, really just continuing to do what we're doing, which is to say, making vaccines accessible, easy to get and free. So, and that, you know, the Biden administration, President Biden and his COVID team have been fantastic at this. Any American right now can sign up today to go get a vaccine in their community for free. And there's no reason that anybody shouldn't do it. So um, this is a choice, right? These people have to make the choice to get the appointment and, and go ahead and get vaccinated. And what we are saying is everyone should make the choice to do that because that's what's going to get our economy back on track. That's what's gonna allow our kids to be in school safely. That's what's going to allow us to, as you said, move to be post COVID. And at this point, um, it's available in every community and we're asking everybody to please get vaccinated.
4: Um, One other related question, Mr. Secretary, uh, you you mentioned schools, uh, getting kids back into school this fall. Uh, The New York Teachers Union, recently said that they would not require or mandate vaccinations for teachers. Um,
2: How do you think about that issue? Well, again, again, I I think it's about the safety of the person, the individual. And, And I, again, I'm encouraging people, if, if you feel that you don't want to get vaccinated, if there's a reason, uh, and it's a medical reason, reach out to your healthcare provider and ask them, ask them the information. Vaccines or vaccinations, I got a vac- vaccinated uh, because I wanted to make sure that, that my family was safe. I wanted to make sure I protected myself against coronavirus. Uh, I have an older mother who who's doesn't have the best health, so I wanted to make sure I could go see her and hug her and spend time with her. Right. Uh, and I wanted to make sure that, that I wasn't passing on uh, on the, the virus. So, right. again, I would ask people, uh, unions and, and union leadership, uh, to rethink it and, and have conversations with their employees or union members about getting vaccinated. I'm a union member. I'm asking union members to go out and get vaccinated.
4: But would you, would you be asking the unions to effectively seek Seek it or accept vaccine mandates. I, I asked specifically about the teachers' union, and I, it, it' jump off for either of you to answer, specifically because the, the teachers A are so important to the future of our country. They're so important to getting our economy back on track so kids can get back in school and parents can go work. and the truth is that teachers asked to be put at the front of the line for vaccines earlier this year. and so we're now in a situation where the same group of people who are asking for that um, are saying we don't want to have a vaccine mandate.
2: Yeah, I would have to assume that the majority of teachers have been vaccinated uh, and there's a smaller group of teachers that might not want to get vaccinated, uh, just like in some cases the, the, the public. So, so I don't think that it's a... a, a teacher union-wide issue. I think it's an issue of, 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 of a handful of teachers. And again, they might have the perfectly legitimate reasons why people don't want to get vaccinated. But um, I, I, as I said from the very beginning, you know, I, I was the former mayor of Boston. And, and last year was a very tough year for our kids and, and for our teachers and, 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 and you know, investing in PPE and investing in safety measures to open up our schools. And we opened them up in a hybrid model in September. In Boston, they're planning on open up fully. Uh, and the best way to protect yourself is to be vaccinated. It could be because you're going to be in the classroom with young people right. that, that, that aren't vaccinated because, quite honestly, we don't have it. So if you want to protect yourself, we, you need to be vaccinated.
4: Um, let me follow up with you on a separate issue, uh, Mr. Secretary, which is the ADP employment numbers uh, came in. And it appears that there's a deceleration in jobs in the private sector. Uh, but interestingly... There didn't seem to be a positive or really negative correlation between states that ended uh, some of the uh, uh, some of the COVID help uh, early. How do you
2: think about that? I don't think the $300 uh, extra is keeping people out of work. I didn't think from the very beginning that was the case. I think that people are concerned about the COVID, uh, getting COVID-19. I think people, we obviously had some issues around child care. The president addressed some of that in the American Rescue Plan by investing $39 billion. That money has gone down. Uh, some people, quite honestly, they, they, their, their job is gone, so, so they're, they're looking to find new, new employment. Uh, you know, we've seen in the last five months an average of 600,000 new jobs per month in the last two months, we've seen the largest gain in hospitality and restaurants. So I'm hopeful as we continue to move forward through the rest of the summer and fall, uh, we're gonna see more people go back to work. In saying all of that, um, if we have to shut down again, then we're gonna have problems, our economy's gonna have problems, our restaurants are gonna have problems, and our small businesses are gonna have problems, our mom and pops all across this country are gonna have problems, and that's why it's really important for people to, to take care of your own personal health during this time. Just
1: to add on to that, Andrew, we've known for a long time that um, the biggest reason women, for example, aren't going back into the workforce is uh, lack of childcare. You know, we saw that when schools closed, women fell out of the workforce in droves. Two million women are still out of the workforce, which is why the investments that the president is calling for in the care economy, home-based care, childcare tax credits, paid leave, all vital to getting people back into the workforce and these are you know long-term enablers of making sure that everybody can participate in the workforce. Uh,
4: Mr. Secretary, um, what is the the supply chain issues uh, that that we continue to be challenged by look like to you right now? How much better or worse have things gotten over the past month?
1: So, it depends on which supply chain we're talking about. Uh, In certain areas, uh, you're seeing a bit of improvement. I've been doing a lot of work, for example, in the lumber supply chain and in home building, and you're starting to see improvement in that supply chain. In other areas, like semiconductors, you're seeing a little bit of improvement, but not much and not enough. And there's no quick fix to that one. Uh, The long-term solution for that is, I think, for Congress to pass the CHIPS Act so we can incentivize more domestic production of semiconductors. I will say, I'm not, I'm not sure anybody uh, predicted how disruptive COVID would be to our supply chains, but I spend time every day talking to businesses and there are massive disruptions in these supply chains, whether it's you know, medical goods, food, uh, the fact that our ports have been disrupted, the fact that we don't have enough um, truckers to, you know, there's a skills shortage. So I think that we underestimated it. We're working hard on it every day. The president convened a, a supply chain disruption task force, which I serve on. Um, but I, I see some improvement daily, but we are, we are not out of the woods by any stretch.
4: Uh, On a related note, 3M uh, made some headlines recently saying that they plan to make less N95 masks, that they were actually gonna spin down some of that production. How do you think the country should think about that? And how do you think the country should pursue trying to create a stable supply chain for those kind of products in the future?
1: It's very important. We saw during COVID that we are very vulnerable when we don't have domestic production of key goods and services, whether that is, you know, medicine, uh, PPE, semiconductors, steel, aluminum. In many areas, we are vulnerable. And so we have to, and the president is, is calling for this, and we at the Commerce Department are working hard on this, to boost domestic production of these critical supplies. And then, in the second instance, make sure that there's production in countries that are our friends, because I'll tell you, and any governor will tell you this, a year and a half ago, we couldn't get our hands on ventilators, we couldn't get our hands on PPE, and we were all calling China, and that is a vulnerability that we don't, again, want to have to face.
4: Um, Final question for both of you. When you think about the future of work, especially white-collar work, but blue-collar work as well, there are lots of questions and predictions about what it all looks like five years from now hybrid virtual in person how how do you both think that the world of work is going to change or is it
2: well i i think that work's going to change in the sense of we're going to need better skilled workers in america i think the the infrastructure investment in in job training and apprenticeship is key to moving us forward uh, the president wants us to continue to, to be uh, the top top economic country in the world, uh, and, and he's shown that by his his, his investments and his, his putting forth two two very uh, ambitious plans in the infrastructure bill that's being debated right now in front of the United States Senate and in the CARES economy with job training, workforce development. So I think that as far as the work itself, I mean, I think we're going to have a little bit of all of the above, maybe some hybrid. Uh, a lot of in-person, but, but I, I do think that we're going to have to continue to skill up people in America so that they can get, can, can get into the middle class.
1: I agree with that. I think that uh, you, you'll see more flexibility, more companies continuing to allow folks to work from home, but what I'm quite sure we will see is just an even greater premium on digital skills. Cloud computing skills, data skills, techno- tech skills. And so uh, we, it, we have an urgent need to make sure that everybody has access to those skills women and men, people of color, people in rural areas. You know, it is still the case that um, cities and the two coasts and urban areas, uh, folks with college degrees, do better in a more digital technical economy. And that means we have a lot of work to do. That's why the Secretary and I are here working together. We have to make sure that no matter what zip code you're in, or whether or not you have a college degree, you have some of these tech skills, because that is certainly um, where our economy is going.
4: Just to follow up, does that transform, though, the landscape of what this country looks like, what big cities look like? Uh, There's talk about what they call Zoom cities, people moving to different places. Do you think it really fundamentally restructures the country 10 years from now when we look back? You know, I
1: it's, I think it's too soon to tell, and we, we have seen this, you know, after nine eleven, people thought that was, you know, the end of New York City, and in, in fact, actually, the city's had a great resurgence since nine eleven. so I think it's too soon to tell. Uh, but frankly, I hope some of that is true, because, as I said, too many Americans have been left out, Americans in rural communities, Americans without a college degree, Americans of color, And we ought to use this moment to um, make sure that they're included in whatever, you know, whatever this next stage of our economy looks like.
4: Okay. Uh, We're going to leave it there. Mr. Secretary, Mr. Secretary, thank you. Appreciate it.
3: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do.
0: That's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening and for starting this August week with us. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. On TV, tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And hey, to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, listen and follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend to listen to. We'll meet you back here tomorrow.